WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. Absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcast at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows past and present like SEO 101, Affiliate Buds, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Download it from the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store today. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Market Edge. It's Larry Weber, your host, chairman and CEO of RacePoint Global, an advanced marketing services agency uh, based in Boston. And uh, I'm real excited today to have probably one of the, the, the greatest stars of the software industry with us, uh, Alan Treffler. And for full disclosure for everyone uh, listening to this podcast, I am a new board member at uh, Pegasystems where Alan is the founder, chairman, and CEO, and I've never enjoyed being on a board more. And um, Alan, uh, again, started Pegasystems, which is a business software company. I'll let him explain a lot of what they do and uh, has had great success over the last 30 years and I think will continue to have great success. And he's going to talk to us today about uh, what their software does, but I'm going to try to get him to focus a bit on uh, the future of marketing software and customer-related software, um, as most of you are very interested in that category. Uh, Alan's also uh, quite an accomplished chess player. We'll have to ask him about that. And I think you're still working on ping pong too, Alan. But uh, welcome, welcome to Market Edge, Alan. Uh, thank you very much, Larry. And it's uh, been a privilege to work with you, and I uh, look forward to this uh, discussion. And for those unfamiliar with Pega, uh, Alan, could you just offer sort of a, a high-level overview of the company and, and uh, what it does and who it does it for and um, you know, uh, just to give us some uh, uh, some bearing right now. Sure, Larry. You know, Pega as a firm believes that the future of, of how businesses will engage with customers, how they will work internally, is, is going to be about the way they harness software, that the entire way that businesses have to work in the future uh, is about really capturing the, the intellect, the DNA, the analytics, all of the, the points of engagement, both with customers and internally, and being able to harness them at every point of contact. And ultimately, we think this is about creating a new way for businesses to think about software, and that software needs to be able to help businesses, um, in effect, be agile, help them engage with their customers, give them the power to simplify their operations, and we think, very importantly, the power to change and to evolve uh, as the market needs uh, continue to to 
increase at an unprecedented rate. So we're really in the business of making businesses better, making them more powerful, making them tighter with their clients. And uh, that touches a wide sphere of businesses. Our customers have tended historically to be very large companies, uh, typically in the Fortune 300. And we've got the privilege of working with firms like American Express, where we're responsible for the way that uh, the service works in their business, or Verizon Wireless where we're key to, to how they're working to retain their customers and create new value propositions for them. So it's been a great privilege to work with those firms, and uh, we're continuing that and, and now working with much broader parts of the market as well. What's changed, Alan, you know, in the way you approach the development of this software for businesses? Has, has it evolved um, to a place where, you have finally found sort of the secret sauce in, 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 in creating even better software every year um, that you have your developers work on it? Well, yeah, we've, we've really um, had over the years that we've been going at this uh, a real evolution in our philosophy and, and certainly an evolution in our software. And I'm pleased to say that last year that enabled us as a company to cross the um, half-billion-dollar revenue mark, which was something that uh, we were very, very excited about. But the reason that our clients are buying this software and using it so much is that it really is very fundamentally different from how they have traditionally thought of software. You know, if you look at the way that most businesses use technology, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, you've got a lot of these new um, sort of SaaS-based Internet companies, and, of course, we run on the cloud as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of them have created what I would describe as almost new silos where you'll go to them to do a particular function, to be able to do outbound marketing or be able to do a bit of CRM or Salesforce automation or, or maybe run parts of your books. But as companies do this, they can find that they create new sort of uh, islands of information and actual disconnects in the way the company works. So, you know, the, the one sort of extreme where you think of just sort of buying a service and getting an app, well, that can be very satisfying in the short term. But in terms of having a coherent cross-channel approach to clients, we're seeing a lot of companies run into difficulty. On the other side of the spectrum, um, you have firms that are building software by writing it. And, you know, it's interesting because you see this whole movement about how everybody needs to code and programming is, uh, you know, is something we should be teaching, you know, the entire world. You know, the irony is I'm a recovering software engineer myself. I actually started as a software engineer. But I don't think the future is going to be around having people write software the way they did, frankly, 50 years ago. When people go to write software, when they find they can't get something off the shelf, what they need to do is typically start by writing requirements and big spec documents and passing that off to people who just manually code that. You know, they're typing cryptic words into text files and compiling them, you know, just like they did 40, 50 years ago. And the vision we had was that it was time for the machine to move closer to the people, for people to be able to use visual metaphors and, and other clearer ways of articulating what it is they wanted their systems to do, how they wanted to be able to connect to the different sources of data, how they wanted to put offers together for their clients, how they wanted to be able to engage and service those customers, and that all of that business intelligence, as it were, needed to be stored as a collection of rules and processes that ran the business. And from that, the computer should write the code itself. So our evolution, Larry, has been very much about moving from a philosophy and a culture of people writing code 
to having people operate at a much higher sort of level of abstraction and sensibility and, and actually harnessing the power of the computer to write the code instead. So that makes, you know, it makes loads of sense. And as, as I've learned more about what software companies like you do, you know, the, there's such depth there. What do you make of, and there obviously is a place in the world for these companies, but what I would call more shallow or more app-driven type software, I mean, it's getting all the news today, these like Box or Dropbox or Salesforce.com. And, you know, what do you make of that? Is, is it a trend? Are they here to stay? Or is it just that they have a different set of, of users' expectations? Well, this, this may sound uh, a little self-critical of my own uh, background, but I think that what you're seeing um, are largely acts of desperation by um, business people who have been completely failed by the culture of engineering and how badly it's evolved. You know, when, when I take a look at what folks are doing, a lot of them are sort of grasping at partial solutions because they've given up on the premise that they can really harness technology to run their business and that, that their business is about software. And so, um, you know, these individual, what I would describe them typically as apps or point solutions, yeah, they will do a thing. But typically, to support your customers, you have to do a lot of things. And, you know, it's very difficult to make your staff mentally integrate all these different you know, platforms, boxes, salesforce.com, whatever it is, and, and come up with a coherent approach to customers. You, you end up having to integrate it in people's minds and manual processes. And you know, this is just creating the next generation of disconnects. We think the future, the future of the digital enterprise, which is what a lot of businesses aspire to be, but, but find that they're not sure how to get there, is going to be powered by technology like ours technology that allows them to create a model of how the enterprise should work and actually empowers them to use software without having to write it by hand and doesn't force them to create all these little disconnected services that somehow have to be integrated and, and frankly are creating the next generation of islands of automation. You know, the, um, it makes me think of my, my old friend um, who's, who's been on the show about a year ago, uh, Professor Nicholas Negroponte, who founded the Media Lab, he did the, um, the 30th anniversary of TED Keynote last week. And one of the things he put up, which was actually pretty controversial for him since he believes in innovation so much, is he said, you know, I think we've over-innovated um, right now from a technology perspective. It, it's almost like a, a, an, the people that understand how to integrate all these business processes and integrate the innovations to better connect with customers are the ones that are going to win. You care to comment on what Professor Negroponte might be saying there? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because I, I think perhaps it's not over-innovation over, um, as much as incomplete innovation. Doing right. innovation on a series of islands um, you know, is not going to give the, the business a, a, a backbone for it to interact with customers. It's going to create all sorts of kind of disconnected ribs and vertebrae that are you know, floating all over the place. And, you know, what we think and, and what our software does is it, it creates this, this backbone for the enterprise that frankly allows you to, to do that integration 
under the power of the business people so that it's not something that you know you have to go and work with IT forever to be able to get or that you have to kind of mentally integrate or integrate on all these sort of diffuse and separate platforms. So I, I think it's, you know, innovation requires the right balance and the, the um, current suite of innovation, um, other than we think platforms like ours, the current suite of innovation has really balkanized almost the, the technology landscape and is continuing to do so as you see more and more of these little point solutions that, that frankly are becoming the next generation of sort of rogue systems where business people go off to do something something else and then find that, well, they've got a huge support issue because their customers need that stuff and they need that stuff integrated. Before we take a break, Alan, and I think when we come back, we'll, we're, I'd, I'd like to go more deeply into what our audience cares about, and that's uh, that's an audience that hasn't really had to face the, uh, the, the idea of buying and managing software um, and, 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 and software as a servant as well. And, and I'd like to get into that, but before the break, I'd also like to bring in another colleague's comments, uh, whom you know uh, as well as I do, George Colony, who founded and is CEO of Forrester Research. He's betting sort of the, 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 the ranch, uh, so to speak, of Forrester over the next five years on two things. One is that uh, digital customer experiences are going to be critical to the success of any enterprise. And second, that every company will be a software company. And when you ask him that, he says, even if it makes potato chips, et cetera, et cetera. You care to riff before the break about, you know, sort of where George is headed there? Well, I think, um, I think where George is headed is absolutely correct. And he also talks, um, as he discusses those two topics, about this new vision he has for what he calls BT, or business technology, where there needs to be a, a different control structure and a different approach to how businesses will become more digital and how they will engage better with their clients uh, from, from the entire value chain. And his vision, which I think is exactly right, is this is going to entail the business people having a different relationship with how the technology is put together and how the technology works. And ultimately, the way we operationalize technology is through software. You know, the software is what brings the, the, the smarts to the incredibly powerful hardware that we have. It's really the software that makes the experience, whether it's a great experience on a website or a mobile device or an iPad, is that approach to the software that really sets it free. And the, the vision that we have, and I think is highly aligned with, with George's comments, is that for software to be able to be highly effective, it needs to be done differently. It needs to be done in a way that's, that doesn't involve people doing all this manual programming that is completely disconnected from the business need. And what we need to do is really democratize the way that software is created by empowering the business to be able to create models from which the software is born. You know, if you have, if you look at manufacturing as an analogy, today we go from you know, CAD-CAM models, wireframes, to being able to have people who aren't even very technical be able to personalize this. You can download a wireframe from the web, somebody can play around, and now you can connect it to a 3D printer, and you can go from you know, concept to specialization to operationalizing it with complete seamlessness. 
think about how different it is when somebody wants something from a computer software system. You end up having to articulate it in a language that isn't remotely like CAD CAM, that isn't visual. People write big documents or little user stories that are, that are done in text or in, in mock-ups that are completely disconnected from what's actually run. And, and the stuff that's run is done entirely by hand. It, it's it's kind of like the pre-industrial age for, for manufacturing. And, you know, I think it's highly ironic that the business that you would have thought would have been at the forefront of how you really empower business people and, and how you bring automation to the way the software is connected, uh, the software industry is, is a complete laggard in this regard. So uh, George is completely right. Businesses have to become software companies. And in doing that, we see them as needing a different approach. And the great news is that approach gets them way closer to their customers. Terrific answer. Uh, the, we're we're going to take a, a short break right now from uh, uh, Market Edge. We'll be back with Alan Treffler, the founder, uh, chairman, and CEO of Pegasystems, one of the hottest software companies uh, on the planet right now. We'll be right back. Market Edge will return in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. And a pitch. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi. How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short-branded, attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Jellian Music, your CEO coach, will break down the art of business development from the ground up. CEO Coach, on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Larry Weber. Hi, it's Larry Weber. We're back at Market Edge with Alan Tressler, chairman, CEO, and founder of uh, Pegasystems, uh, a soft business software company that helps make businesses better, uh, actually. You know, b- before the break, we were starting on a thread around... Um, you know, the roles that different um, business people were going to play. You mentioned about BT is the one concept that Colony and Forrester were, were dealing with. You know, you and I are about the same age, and I, I, we started in business when there was very little information technology management. Uh, we, uh, there was starting to be these MIS people everywhere for a while when I was younger. But, you know, we've, we've gone all the way up now to the CIO, before I get into our audience, Alan, more specific needs of information, what do you think the future of the CIO role will be? Well, you know, I think, and, um, and Colony talked about this as well, but I think it's really very clear that the role of the CIO um, is, is changing. In many cases, um, the marketing organization is having tremendously increased power and influence over how technology is spent. And the CIO and the CMO need to be thinking of themselves as two sides of one coin um, to achieve what businesses need to achieve. We're increasingly seeing um, CIOs who actually are much more drawn from the business context, much more people who've either um, been in marketing or sales or have that background uh, sort of in their history. Um, than people who come purely up the technology ranks. And I think that's incredibly appropriate because ultimately the technology, as we were talking before the break, um, is so central to the way that business systems work today. And this idea that businesses need to become software companies means that the way we direct our technology can't be in some technocrat you know, CIO office. It's got to be permeated through the firm. Though we believe, of course, the only way to do that is to very, very fundamentally change how the business people interact with the technology, not just talking to the tech groups, but being able to be, you know, neck deep in it, as it were. So you're very comfortable with all this because you, you're a computer scientist, really, when you, when you look back on it and, and all your experience the last three decades. But there's a lot of people listening to you right now that are not computer scientists, but they're very effective business people, whether they be CMOs or COOs or heads of a business unit. What would you say to them, you know, as far as, you know, don't, not being afraid of this sort of brave new world of software integration and, 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 and great software, business software to, to help run your businesses better and, and get to your customers, you know, faster, closer, better, you know, because, we, we're a group of English majors, history majors, <laughs> business majors. So how about some advice, uh, uh, Alan? <laughs> well, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's actually funny. I started as an English major, Larry. I don't know if I've confessed that to you before, uh, before I became a, what's, what's now a recovering software engineer. Um, I, I think the whole mission here has got to be around how this is democratized. And, you know, what I would say to the folks from marketing and, and what I would say to the folks who are in front lines uh, t- trying to sell things or, or trying to revise the business strategy, I would ask the question, why is this so hard? 
why have we allowed the low expectations of technology to persist? And why have we allowed people to go for what I would describe as, in, in many cases, uh, uh, very short-sighted solutions, like you know, doing stuff the same old crappy way, but just shipping it to India so it would be cheaper. When yeah. we see other industries in which um, people have thought differently about the problem. Look how, look how you know, Apple revolutionized the mobile world by thinking differently about the problem. And you know, it's time for the business people to understand that they can get this. Let me give a little story actually about one of our partners. A couple hundred folks work for a company or actually used to work for a company called BPM Specialist out of Atlanta. And what this fellow um, who had used our technology years before did is he went out to the local universities in uh, the sort of 2009, 10, 11 range, and he found um, the sort of people who at that point were, were struggling a bit to get jobs. Um, people who were really smart, but they were psychology majors or English majors like you were talking about. And what he did is he ran them through a training program in our technology, taught them how to understand and model business problems, sent them out to work with some of the very, very large, complicated businesses um, in direct marketing, in, in order to cash uh, fulfillment, and all the sorts of things that enable a business to engage with its customers. And uh, what's really cool is they were so incredibly successful that uh, two weeks ago they were just bought by Ernst & Young who wants to make this a core part of the way that they do consulting and, and, and their practice. So we have lots of evidence of how people who um, have the courage to try can actually take much more control of their business. And it is so invigorating when an English major can actually you know, not have to go run into a data scientist to change the way that certain offers are made to their clients, or when people can really tune and micro-segment themselves. Those are incredibly empowering things for the business, and I think are going to, frankly, differentiate the businesses that are highly successful from the ones that are followers. I agree, Mark. Let's, let's keep going there on the concept that was introduced many years ago of of CRM, um, I have my own opinions about if that acronym should even last. But you know, I tend to think that the first generation of those, the Unicas and the Siebels of the world, were just giant contact systems. And and I, I'd love to get your view since you have a one of the premier offers in you know what what might be considered in that category. Though I think it's more of a business process, getting closer to your customers, everything. But could you give a, our audience a little bit on sort of the, your offer and the past offers that were around and maybe where it's headed in the next three to four years? Sure. So, so one of the um, out-of-the-box elements of what we deliver to our clients is something we call next best action marketing. And the idea here is that you want to be able to sort of continuously refine using a combination of predictive and adaptive analytics what's going to make the most sense for a customer in every context. Now, you know, what's interesting is when we came at the problem, we said, we really need to think holistically about the customer. Um, when you talk about, you know, Unicon, a lot of the other products that are out there that grew up, they don't think that way. They often are organized around concepts like outbound or inbound or channel-specific marketing. We think that that's wrong. We think that inbound and outbound are, are once again, just two core elements of how you want to engage with the customer. And you need to be able to create a model, 
a model that can be changed by business people that's going to describe both the outbound touches you might want to make and when you um, engage a customer in any one of your channels, what is the continually refined next best action, next best offer, next best engagement element that you want to do with the customers? And we talk about process. This needs to handle not just the what I would describe as the engagement process, how do you make somebody aware, but it also very much needs to talk, deal with the, the sort of uh, whole buying process right through to pricing and, and uh, how you fulfill. And being able to put that entire process from the SWAT decisions all the way through to the delivery into the hands of business people is incredibly powerful, particularly when you can link together products and sort of think much more holistically. Yeah. The, um, what do you think? This is sort of a tangent, but uh, um, our, my audience really is intrigued with this stuff. What's your take on these, quote, marketing automation companies? Um, you know, uh, we have one in Boston called you know, HubSpot. We, there's one down in Virginia that Oracle bought called, called Eloqua. Uh, Marketo out in San Francisco seems to be making some noise. What's your take on that? group of, uh, of companies, maybe not specifically them, but what they're trying to do versus what a PEGA is doing. So, so many of those firms really just go after what I would describe a slice of the problem. And by the way, it's, it's okay to start with a slice of the problem. You want to get something done and up and running and getting value quickly. But what I would say is that the traditional marketing automation companies um, really hit narrow niches of what you need to do to engage the customer from both a you know inbound outbound perspective what you need to be able to do to make sure that during the selling process you're doing the exact right thing at every stage uh, retention which in certain industries is so important being able to be proactive about avoiding churn and and being able to turn service engagements into great opportunities to do cross-sell, upsell, and ensure you're retaining. Uh, being able to do this end-to-end, -end, I think, is pretty unique to PEGA. And, and the reason the slices break down is when you use one of those products for just a part of the marketing engagement, and then you have to go buy something else or use something else to, to do another part of the engagement with the client, either from a selling or a fulfillment point of view, you create these gaps. These, these execution gaps where you know the, the, the people who your staff end up having to try to fill them with manual procedures or you're just guessing at what you really did for that customer in the other channel. We think that we're uniquely qualified uh, to be able to support not just one of these channels of customer engagement, but all the channels of engagement over time, and to be able to do it at scale which is, isn't just technical scale, being able to do this for the world's largest companies, but also functional scale, being able to you know, let the business know that they won't run out of runway, that when they want to come up with something that's new or innovative, that the, the, they will be able to harness their software through a model in a way to do it that you know, keeps them from being programmers, but instead makes them business people who are harnessing that software for their business. Hey, we're, we don't have much time. We're going to have to have you back for a, another another show. But two quick questions that is also on my audience's minds is the impact mobility is having on business process. How is PEGA addressing sort of that whole, you know, mobility within managing businesses? 
So, you know, I think that um, mobility is uh, critical to be thought of not as something that's just a single channel, like, you know, I'm going to build something for a cell phone or a tablet, but all of the applications a business does needs to have mobile integrated in it. And uh, last year, we bought an industry-leading company called Antenna, which was a leader in the mobility space, and we have been completely integrating its technology into the way our processes work. So things like geolocation and dynamic offers, things like offline processing, just work seamlessly with the other types of things that people want to do when they're um, either engaging with customers or engaging with employees. Uh, who also are increasingly using mobile technologies to 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 empower themselves. So I don't think mobility is a is a segment anymore. I just think it's a completely central aspect to all technology, and we've built that into the core of our model. And the the, the last tangent was a topic. Uh, I'm so sick of hearing about big data. You know, how seriously should uh, you know, our audience of chief marketing officers really look at this next three years of, quote, big data and analytics. What's your take on that? So, you know, the, the, the take I have is that uh, the idea of big data and being able to draw insights, you know, is, is, of course, terrific. But we see businesses struggling at being able to successfully operationalize and tune what the big data would have them do. And we also see, you know, a, a lot of this being, you know, just sort of great thoughts that it's difficult to have uh, hit the front line when the, when the customer or the prospect is touching the organization. Getting those insights everywhere you need them to be is very difficult. And that's exactly what our technology does. It allows you to harness the, the sort of big data and analytics insights. But from our point of view, you know, it's kind of like the, to draw an analogy to a human being. Um, people talk about data, but data, if you think about it, really reflects memory. You know, in your mind, it's, it's what's happened. You need much more than that. You need also to bring into this picture the concept of judgment, and that's where analytics come in. But if you just have, uh, you know, data, memory, and, and judgment, you're not able to do what you need to do. We think you also need to bring in the concept of process, which in the human metaphor would be muscle. And only by having memory of what's happened, being able to apply judgment to it, and then having the muscle to operationalize it, only by bringing those three things together do we think businesses uh, have a chance to be effective in this highly competitive age we're in. And that's exactly what our model looks to do, bring together the, the data, the judgment, and the process, as you said, to be able to allow people to operationalize, to execute, to engage with their customers, to simplify their businesses, and, and to build for change. One last question, personal, even though we're, we've run out of time. How has being a world chess expert helped you build your business? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because uh, uh, chess uh, and, and teaching chess, uh, teaching computers how to play chess, with actually how I got into computers to begin with uh, back when I was at university. But I find that, uh, that being able to apply the, the, the logic of chess to business problems um, has, has really helped me a lot. You know, when you look at chess, a lot of it is really about getting a feel for the position. It's really about pattern recognition, then coupled with calculation. And we actually think that's 
a lot of how business people need to, frankly, approach technology. And so some of those concepts have been woven very, very deeply into our, our philosophy and the whole way that Pega you know, has approached this very exciting technology segment around customer engagement. Alan Treffler, uh, founder, chairman, CEO of Pega Systems, uh, one of the great business software companies in the world today. Um, here's to the next 30 years uh, for Pega, and uh, thanks for being on Market Edge. Hey, thanks a lot, Larry. Really enjoyed it. And everybody, remember, on Tuesdays uh, at 12 o'clock Eastern Time in the United States, we post the new podcast of Market Edge. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll be back next time. This is Larry Weber. Bye-bye. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.